Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 24th. Virginia plays a football game in 10 days, and we're going to talk basketball because we like to throw you curveballs. That's a lot of sports I just mixed up in there together. Um, yeah, we, we promised uh, a while back that we would we would have another one of these hoops podcasts before you, for you before the season got started before we we lost the collective uh, urge for for hoops until somewhere later in the fall once uh, practice kind of commences. So now that now the Wahoos are back from Spain and uh, have, have finished that trip undefeated, we, we have plenty to discuss, including whether or not we should or shouldn't discuss it. Um, back on the podcast after such a uh, a rousing debut uh, on the show. Uh, is my boy Grafton nineteen? You know him from the board. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you. Glad to glad to have you back, man. Obviously, the last time we did this, folks seemed to really enjoy it. I know me and you really enjoy it. Um, talking hoops is something I feel like we could. Do. <laughs> Bronco the other day was talking about how Micah Kaiser and, and uh, Zach Bradshaw are like old like old dudes sitting on the porch drinking tea. I feel like you <laughs> and I could do that for hours talking talking basketball. Um, let's start here. So the Spain trip happened. Um, they they finish undefeated. Clearly, we we got we got some video. We got some 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 stats. We 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 obviously got to watch some of those kids struggle trying to swim. Um, what were some of your main takeaways from the Spain trip, and what were maybe what were you kind of um, hoping to see and compare that to what you actually saw? What, what were some of your uh, some of your thoughts? Well, first thing, the board the last week since those videos broke, a lot of guys are talking about who shouldn't shirt, who should shirt. As a basketball coach, the Spain trip to me is like summer league basketball for a high school coach. You don't scout anyone. So your kids are playing. You're putting in new stuff. You're happy to see kids perform. But, you know, you're not being scouted. So for me, I was happy to see the freshmen play. I thought uh, DeAndre is going to be a stud. Kyle Guy played the way I thought he's going to play. Uh, Jerome shocked me. I didn't think he was going to play that well coming back from hip surgery. And uh, Jay Huff, I was kind of surprised the way he was able to shoot the basketball. And I think a lot of guys on the board feel that way, too. And that's kind of the talk the last week and a half. You know, these guys shouldn't shirt. These guys should shirt. But, I mean, we've got 13 guys that can play. So playing time is going to be scarce. Yeah, I think the thing that's hard for a lot of people, and, and, and I kind of I, I know I jumped into a couple of, couple of these spots myself, um, but I think it's hard for people to to kind of get an appreciation really for how you watch this stuff without getting excited. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really tough. I mean, it's it, you know, it, it was funny to me in those couple like 24 hours or so after when you knew something had happened. But Virginia's for whatever reason, they hadn't put out the video. They hadn't put up, you know, Jeff White's story or whatever. And folks are just like fiending. Like I feel like a scene from The Wire, man. Um, and I get it. Like I, I run a website that that focuses on UVA sports, so I get it. and I appreciate it. and I want it. But at the same time, I was like, the, you know, the, the bottom line is you were going to find out stuff about a trip that may or may not really be telling you much. But I agree with you. I think it was good to see the freshmen get involved. You, you never really know what you have uh, as recruits until you see them in a, in, a, in, a, in a game situation. You might even see them in practice, and you're not really sure. Um, this is a, a good kind of precursor to to what they're going to have to go through when they become what I would what I would call like full you know the full tilt you know what I mean like when practice really starts because realistically when Virginia was practicing for these games they weren't necessarily what I would say installing stuff like I don't think they were doing a whole lot to, you know to really get prepared you there was no scouting report right so there's not they're not like preparing for for this team or preparing for that team what they were doing were, were kind of focusing on skills. And I don't, so I don't think they were doing a whole lot of pack line stuff. I think they were doing some of that, but they were probably just kind of laying some foundations and, and getting some guys moving and trying to get them in a, in a good spot physically uh, more so than, than anything else. And certainly it looked like uh, there was a real emphasis put on offensive production on, you know, on being able to, to make plays on that end of the floor, um, which, which, you know, isn't a surprise. These teams weren't going to necessarily be world beaters on the defensive end. So if you played any any bit of defense, you were probably going to be in a good spot. Um, Hunter, to me, was the guy who probably stood out the most. And I and I say that with the caveat that I think I even said this on the board. That like, realistically, nothing that we saw there matters in the big scheme of things other than just giving you a feel for what you can kind of expect 
these guys to be and what they can what they you can expect them to look like you know what i'm saying like like when i go to football practice and dudes are wearing jerseys and shorts like i'm not going to be able to say like okay he's really good against this route or you know what if they if they go to a nickel you know he looks like he could come in and be the nickel back no no what you're looking for are personnel decisions you know who who's lined up where doing trying to do what um, I thought it was somewhat fascinating to see the way coach kind of split uh, playing time. You know, obviously some of these teams were overmatched, and he was very strategic about, you know, pulling London out of a game and trying to let the other, trying to let the young kids kind of figure it out. Um, but to me, the big thing that stood out was, yeah, Hunter is exactly as good as advertised. He's actually a little taller than everybody um, expected, including <laughs> I'll tell you, including the coaching staff. Um, too. I mean, he's, the- yeah, man, he's 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 not just he's not just like. I mean, we used to I mean, remember when he was a recruit. I mean, we're talking about him, you know, length this and shooting that. But like, dude, he's a le- he's going to be a legit six eight. Um, I'd say that's Tony's biggest steal since he's been at Virginia. Because I mean, Jay Jay Wright wanted that kid, and how we got him at Virginia, Tony did a heck of a job pulling him in because that's a steal. Yeah, I mean, real. to get that kid in this class, that's a steal. I think the one thing that impressed me too, and it's been a problem for the last few years when we go on the. You know, as good as our defense is, we also go in five, six, yeah. seven scoring drops. Yep. We shot the ball well. It's going to be hard for teams to defend when we've got guys knocking down three-point shots. I mean, Ty, Devin Hall looked like his shot's getting better. Kyle, Jay Huff if he plays, DeAndre. I mean, how do you defend that now? Because, first of all, you you know, Austin, he did pretty good, but I'm sure they didn't unleash him like he'll be unleashed during the season. So how do you defend that when we're going into him if you sag down the double team, we've got a shooter waiting well, that can shoot. You know the ball. what's funny? You say that about the, the about about him and about the shooter, and that's one of the things that I feel like Jared. That's one of the roles that I think Wilkins and Reuter are really going to exploit this year. Which is, you know, mm-hmm. historically, you know, we saw some glimpses of this with with Zay last year, where he was such a good passer, right? I remember, you know, you'd put him in the high post a lot of games, and and he'd be there and he'd make plays. That he wasn't consistent enough, right? I mean, there were definitely games where. He was a turnover machine, and, and so you, or maybe not necessarily. Maybe that's a little bit harsh, but he wasn't necessarily as consistent making those, you know, make dropping those dimes as he was at other times. But remember, Syracuse adjusted in the tournament because he did so well against them. Right. They extended that defense out because he was exposing them as a pass. Exactly, and so like he needs to get to a place where when all right, so when they when they when what's the, if there if this if if you do this what and you, you have to be able to expect what the counter move is going to be so that you can counter. Um, I feel like him and, and Reuter, their their place this year is going to be offensively at least is is not just being who they are already. I mean, we know that they've the coaches talked about kind of stretching their range a little bit, um, but also the fact that they they are such good passers. And I agree with you when when you put the shooters out there that Virginia can put on the floor, including Perantis, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you're able to pump the ball into Nichols, and then a, they're able to kick out and pass around and get it back into Zay or Reuter. And then knowing full well that you can have movement around and guys can continually move and that the ball doesn't have to stop, I think that's a very, very intriguing sort of wrinkle in this because you're right. Virginia has historically had these games where, like, man, you, they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Now you're going to be surrounded by shooters and – even if let's say let's say under the scenario that they end up playing eleven of the thirteen, let's say two of them sure, and we'll we'll get into that discussion in a minute. But even if that's the case, you know you're going to have multiple guys because all of these guys can can shoot it. Now maybe Darius is, or and Devin aren't necessarily as good as shooters as some of the other guys. Mario's probably in that camp too. Um, but when you have Kyle Guy, when you have London Perantis, when you have uh, DeAndre Hunter, um, that's a that's a really interesting kind of. Um, kind of addition to the program and i'm one of these people when it comes to recruiting that like i tell people all the time like don't get don't get obsessed with the shiny new objects but like when you look at this group of players like it's impossible not to one basketball is a different sport you can make such a bigger a big impact you know just one or two guys but if you think about the way these skill sets fit together almost like a like a like a puzzle um it's just it's really hard not to get excited and i understand why so many people are talking about the freshmen. But I also I want to I want to kind of shine a light for a second on the returning guys. Um, well, I was about to say everyone on the board, Jack Salt. I know he's he's never going to be a 10.10 rebound kid, but a the guy has gotten stronger. I could see him setting screens this year and scoring 4 to 6 points a game just slipping off of yep. those scheme, screens because teams aren't paying attention to or, him. Or or some dude so he just physical. flattened. Yeah, well exactly. Um, you're exactly so right about that. Yeah, and he's a, and you've got him and Jared. That guys are just sleeping on him. Like Jared's Jared's slimmed down tremendously. Yeah, he's a, and he's, he's chiseled now. 
So you got those two guys, and that's where Huff, that's where that discussion where Huff comes in. I think he should shirt because, you know, he's he's scrawny. I mean, how big is how big is the kid from Syracuse that came back that was a freshman last year? I can't think of his last name. You're talking oh, about Tyler. Uh, yeah. Huh? T- I told. How big is that kid? Uh, wait, are you talking about Roberson or are you talking about the? No, not Roberson. The kid that came back. Um, he, uh, oh man, what's that kid's name? Because UVA really liked him. Um, I know you're talking about. Um, the big tall white kid. Um, that kid is that kid's physically for a freshman was built. Huff's not anywhere near built as that kid. He can get there, but it's gonna take some time. Well, that's the thing is that I think Mike has probably done a pretty good job so far of putting. I mean, he's passed two hundred for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the hardest thing for Huff is gonna be we're not. And I think I said this on the board. You're not gonna know who he really is until you actually start to use him some. Yep. Um, he can't be. He can't come in and really be a traditional because she's. You're. You're not going to want him to just be a blocker. You're going to want him to to move and and shoot and and take advantage of of his skill set. And so, and I don't want to say he's going to have his own kind of kind of um, kind of um, his own kind of like uh, program, so to speak. But like he's going to be very much more of a stretch four than he will be a true four. And so, what that does for Virginia is it does kind of change things a little bit. Um, you want him to be what. We thought Nolte would. Right, exactly. But the problem that you have is on the other end of the floor. And look, I want to make this very plain. Like, I don't, I'm not saying, we're not, at least my, I don't, I don't know about you, man, but I'm not coming from this from the standpoint of like, oh, some dude's going to back him down and score 40. Like, that's not, I'm not, it's not that, that's, when I say when he's he's physically overmatched, I don't mean it from that standpoint. Although, the one time, Eric Bossy will tell you, the one time Jay Huff played a reasonably good big man, he played Bam um, Adebayo, and that kid put 35 on him. Um, I, I think Jay's problem, at least if he played this season, okay, would be it's not necessarily just about size. It's about being able to use your strength. So even if he starts to, even if he starts to be given the pieces by you know Mike Curtis's work in between now and when the season starts, and he puts on a little bit more weight, like that's great, and that's and that's exactly where you want him to be. But it's about learning how to use that strength. You know, understanding the intricacies of being able to to box out. For the longest time, Jay Huff has probably been the tallest dude on the basketball court. But man, in, in two months, like that's not gonna matter anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's gonna either be tall or be able to jump. Now, the great thing that Huff has going for him is he is tall, but he's also pretty athletic. Like he's a he's a pretty fluid kid. So that he, shocked me. He, I didn't think he was that uh that athletic. That kind of surprised me. He moves well for a kid that he really play. does. He really does. And if that's the thing too that that I think a lot of fans saw and it's and and it's hard. It's like their brains explode because they're like, "Oh my gosh, here's a 7-foot guy who can handle the ball well and he can shoot it and it's crazy." I think that's tough uh that's tough for for fans to see and not be too excited about. I agree. Um so if you had to if you had to, to to just going off of what you saw from from the Spain trip, if you had to say, okay, this is the this is what I expect the team to be. Um, tell me tell me about Virginia in 2016-17. Who what do you think the Cavaliers look like based on what you've seen so far? And what are some of the questions you still have about the squad and, and kind of who who they could turn out to be and, and why? I think we're better. I think this will be the best offensive team Tony's had. Just the fact that we can go inside out. I mean, Nichols would be the best back to the basket post he's had wilkins i'm sure is extending his range and you got shooters around him um defensively uh defensively it's gonna i mean for those freshmen that's gonna be the biggest thing for those guys to catch up on the defensive end but i think that's another reason everyone's all darius thompson's not gonna play that much thompson's very erratic but what he gives you he gives you open court steals he can run in transition and he's a decent defender so i would not take him off the roster just yet saying he's not going to play because he can defend. And you made a point on the board. Ty, you know, you may want to get him ready for next year, but Hall, London, and Darius can all bring the ball up. So you don't really need to rush Ty in that situation either because you have three guys who can play the point. Let me uh, let me dive into something that's a little bit random, um, and, I, and I promise I'll land this plane. There was a conversation that I saw on, on Twitter the other night. Um, it was after uh, the USA had trounced um, Serbia to, to win the gold medal. And there was this conversation about Kyrie Irving, and, 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 and I forget where it started, but I saw Whitey Reed retweet it. And it's basically the idea that like the, the, the point guard is, is, is no more, right? 
Mm-hmm. And the more I, th- I, 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 it really stuck in my craw a little bit because I, I watch a lot of basketball and I and I watch uh, both college and the NBA, and I don't feel like point guards are 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 gone or or have have become less important because you know Whitey was like you know we have we have Allen Iverson to thank for that. No, no, what has happened is, and this is you, you tell me what you think here. I believe that the reason that point guards aren't necessarily just dudes who bring the ball up anymore is because. Other players don't just need that guy to get them the ball anymore. Like other guys are longer, but they're also more athletic and they can handle the ball. Like the days of of your three not being able to 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 handle the ball and create his own offense are over. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Like nowadays you, you don't have to have a guy who runs the team. Now multiple guys can run the team. So what does that mean? That means that if you have a guy at the top who can only run the team, then you're hurting your team in a lot of ways. That's why it's so – because, I mean, if you think about it, Virginia has had the same issue, right, which is if London Perantes isn't scoring with any consistency, it puts a lot of pressure on the rest of the team. What you need is a guy who – because you there are obviously times when you need somebody who is the kind of the adult in the room who kind of settles yep. things down. I get that. But from a basketball standpoint, a lot of these players at the 2, 3, 4, they can make their own offense. They don't need a guy to put them in the right spot to get the ball in the hole. And so when I look at a team like Virginia and I say, okay – this is a group that, in, in terms of scheme, Tony, he likes to have three guys on the floor who can handle the ball. They can all initiate offense. So who is, what does the point guard do in, for Tony Bennett that the point guard has to, you know what I'm saying? What, how is the point guard different? And the only way, really, to me, is defensively, he's generally the guy who picks the ball up first, right? Well, I'm going to counter your point, too. London, subtle, you just made a point about he has to be the adult in the room. How many times has another team gotten a run and London's just gotten the basketball and he's calmed everything down. And you know, because he's not going to turn the ball over very much, he's very steady, that teams can't go on a big run because we've got a point guard. I mean, he's one of the best point guards is controlling the tempo that Tony wants. He doesn't get sped up. We didn't lose a Syracuse game because he per se got sped up. The whole team got sped up. But he's just very, like, I mean, when Bobby Knight gives you credit, you're good. Yeah, and I Bobby agree. Knight I agree. Credit two years ago, and that's the difference. I agree at the point that I mean, even in high school, we cross train kids. My one, two, three, and four—they're all trained to bring the ball up. So I don't need to run the offense through the point guard. We can just get it to anybody and go. But like you said, London's the adult in the room. He settles yeah. everything down. He runs Tony's offense to perfection, and I think that keeps us in games where we're not hitting shots. And see, I think, to, and 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 to kind of your point, and I'll, I'll counterpoint. I think the fact that that he does that is more about feel than it is position. And so I think that you could call Ty Jerome the two, and he would mm-hmm. still be able to do that. I think that one of the things that yep. that kid just has in, in innate in him is the ability to just have that feel. And I think that's the thing that Tony has seen that really blew him away, which is. There's a there's a time to go and a time to pull and there's a time to press and a time to not and I think the, that London has this innate ability to be able to feel that out and know okay no he doesn't even like need Tony to tell him Ty has that and so to me I look at this I look at this team and I think all right you you if you redshirted Ty Jerome okay what do you what do you lose and realistically because he and London are very similar in terms of their their impact on the team it's funny that physically they're different kids. Uh, their moves are different. Their shots are different. Their mechanics are different. Um, the way that they they want to get the ball um, in, in those spots that they are shooters is different. Um, but they're very similar in the thing that matters most, which is the way that their that their their brains kind of react to the game. Right. I feel like if you take Ty Jerome out of the mix, Virginia is not a markedly different team. No. The only thing is that you're, you're going to have guys whose whose tanks aren't going to be quite as 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 pressed. Right. Yeah, but, somebody brought that up on the board. The difference is with all the depth, we're not tired in February, March. And that and that was a good point, even though I still think certain guys should shirt. That's a very excellent point. Yeah, because exactly, yeah. This year we were pretty good about it. We didn't tire out. But, I mean, the previous two seasons, we were tired by March. And we didn't have yeah, legs for shots. Right. And that's the thing is is that Tony, is always, I think, is always going to go with experience. He even if he even if he extended out what he would normally have as his rotation, even if he said, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to add another guy, and we're going to balance some things out." They'd still only be at like ten or eleven. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like, I think that the, you can make the case that it, it helps Ty to play. It helps the program for the future to play. Um, I, I I would make the case that 
if you don't know you can get somebody consistent minutes and and a and they're and they're coming off of a surgery. I, I know he get played in Spain. I know he's able to go. I just think that in terms of what Virginia has had success with, which are fifth year senior guys, guys who have been around, guys who are mature. Um, I don't see any negatives. Let's just say it like that. Now, if Virginia was in a spot where they didn't have Darius or or, or Devin Hall and they and they really were only going to try to go with like a point guard and a couple of guys who could handle the ball. Now, maybe we're having a different discussion. Well, let's switch topics real quick. It's it's funny because this argument came up, and I'm one of those guys on the football side. Don't shirt. Yeah, play play when you're winning. Right. Yeah. So now it's like it was kind of funny to see guys say, hey, let guys play. But when we have that discussion of football, the board goes crazy. We need a shirt. We need a shirt. We need a shirt. And I'm just like the difference here is Bronco has no depth. You know, you may have a freshman who's better than a junior just because. Right. With basketball, it's completely different. If Ty plays, great, but he doesn't really need to. I think if he plays this year, he just becomes an extra shooter, to be honest. You know, he'll play in spot games where we're blowing teams out, and he becomes another shooter on the floor. And that's, that's basically what we have, which is not a bad problem to have. He gets his feet wet. But like you said, if he doesn't play, it doesn't change this team that much. Right. And if he does, all right, let's, 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 let's extrapolate that out. If he doesn't play, and you're able to kind of give some more minutes to Darius, you're able to give some more minutes to Devin. I'm a firm believer that having too much depth sometimes can actually be detrimental because guys Mm -hmm. aren't able to get in the flow. And what I mean by that is you're going to have multiple lineups. You're going to have your starting group, and then you're going to have you know guys who come off the bench, and then you're going to have a little mismatch in between as you whatever your rotation is. The problem I think you get into is that if you have guys who play, let's think about Jerry Reuter last year. When he got in games, he was completely out of shape. Right. Yes. Now, not out of shape in terms of like he had too many whoppers the day before, but just in terms of his of his air, in terms of his what his workload, could, you know, what he could kind of could could do on a consistent basis, and you could see it impacting his game. You could see him kind of being a little bit um, uh, a little bit unsure on his feet at times. You know, he would he would get kind of winded, and so he he wasn't as strong with the ball or wasn't as strong, you know, going for going for a board. Um, the point I'm making is is that. If you're able to give guys more time or more consistent time, even if you even if you have a larger group that you're doing it with, um, they get they get into rhythms. And I, I, I saw some I forget who my apologies to whoever made this point, but I saw somebody say you can't have 13 starters, and that's so true. You need guys who who have roles, and you need guys who have defined roles. You know who they they're comfortable in what they do, and they don't have to go out there and give you you know, X number of minutes and X number of whatever, that they know who they are and, they, and they're able to get what they get within the confines or within the framework of, of who the team is. And so I well, look at it. Hold on, hold on. Think, about Duke. think about Duke. Like, they're not, they're good, you know, one through seven, but their problem the last few years, they don't have eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Right. Or, like, they, they, or they just don't have eight or nine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the, their problem has been that they just don't have any kind of, like, real realistic playable depth. They just, they, they, they like, have these really good players, and then it's just like everything falls off the table. Although, Duke has this uncanny ability to take a dude who's, like, a five-star and, like, make him a nobody. And I'm like, if people, like, people followed uh, Homeboy last year. God, what was his name? The, um... Oh, I can't think. I can see him um, sitting on the bench with his knees up to his neck. Like, they, 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 I can't think of his name. They followed that poor kid like he was a walk on. And I'm like, that yep. dude had like 30 offers. <laughs> like, he could be playing for anybody right now. Kentucky will do that sometimes, too. So the guys that don't step up, you know, they're known guys, they become like this walk on. I'm like, that kid was like top 20 in the country. That's, yeah. And that's what's crazy to me is that, like, Duke, yeah, they can do uh, but. You know, if Virginia has a couple guys who are on the fence about redshirting, the good thing is is that Tony has shown that he will make the decision, like I said, for two reasons. What's good for the player, what's good for the program. I think that you redshirt them both for obvious reasons. Um, for with, with Ty, he's still coming off the, the, the hips. Um, you, you know he's, he's not going to get anything resembling kind of consistent minutes um, because Tony's going to lean on experience. He's going to lean on London. Um, and he's certainly going to give uh, the upperclassmen a chance to to kind of to to right the ship now that it is their ship, um, and also too like you know if he's not going to get those consistent minutes, and you're able to kind of buy him that extra year, I think that's always been a consideration that Virginia's coaches kind of go into retro decisions with, which is a really good player. They're more than happy to kind of make that uh, determination, but they're not going to give a guy an extra year just because you know just to keep a body around, um, which is somewhat of the difference with football. In Jay's situation, 
I think we're almost in the same similar boat, right, when we have this discussion. It's like, all right, so so you have Austin and, and Wilkins, and you have Reuter, and and, and you know uh, Mamadi's going to come off the bench, and, and he's going to get his minutes. And then you have Jack Salt, who, like you said, I think has a very clear uh, reason for being on this team. I think he has a very clear reason for getting on the court. I think Jay's minutes would be up and down, you know, and, and I wonder – one of the things that Evan Nolte really I got to I got to give him props for is that it didn't matter when he was called on, how little he was called on for like four games, and then when he went, what spot Tony put him in, he went it, he gave it everything he had, and he was he seemed to be always, uh, even if he didn't make the shot or whatever, he he seemed ready, um, and and I think that was that was a testament to just having that kind of mature mindset. Jay comes in having played against what I would call like kind of low level competition. He didn't play travel ball. You're going to ask this kid to kind of just come in cold off the bench sometimes and expect to give you a lot. And I just don't know if that trade is worth what the possibility of rewards you get if you give him a year to work with Mike Curtis, you give him a year to get used to playing against less level of competition. Like how much better is Jay Huff going to be as a re- could Jay Huff be as a redshirt freshman having practice against Mommy and Austin and 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 Jack Salt. Like how much tougher, how much better in the post? How much like think about Frank Kaminsky, right? Yeah. Who was Frank Kaminsky early in his career versus who he was later? Like that's where you that's where Jay Huff could go. Exactly. And you could put Jay Huff in a position where as he comes in and rest for a freshman, you know what? You don't need to just use him as a stretch four. You can play him as a four. And and then you're now you're really putting teams in a bind because you're asking some dude who's like six eight, two twenty, two twenty five to come out and try to guard the three-point line against a kid who's 6'11", pushing seven feet. And tr- well, think about Toby. When Toby Toby was better coming in, but he was young. Looking right. back yeah. on it, maybe Mike, if you know, they could have redshirted Mike. Look, think about having Toby on the roster, the way he played in the tournament next yeah, if, year. if he was cra- – right, exactly, yeah, peaking last year. Now, I uh-huh. also understand the arguments for why you don't redshirt him. I understand, too, the idea – um, that nothing, you know, that that you play who you got. I think I think you made this point. You know, you got to play who you got. Nothing's promised. Um, you, you know, you, you can't really plan out. I understand too that like there are some folks I think who don't see the the kind of recruiting benefit, which is they have a, right now they're in kind of a big class, little class, big class, little class. And one of the things that could help them out is to kind of even things a little bit. So you didn't have to go out and find five dudes in 2018. Um, you could go out and find three dudes in 2018. And if you could get into a nice ebb and flow where, you know, you had a, a steady diet of upperclassmen, younger guys with promise, and then guys that you were kind of easing into the program, and you could kind of do that year in, year out. Um, I almost liken it to like a daycare. You know, if, you had, if you're a daycare and you're running you're going to have five kids, you don't want them all to be babies. Because then by the time <laughs> yeah. they're all done, you're bringing in five new babies. Five you know, you, you want to have a couple of toddlers. You want to have somebody in the middle. And you maybe call like you want balance. Balance is, I think, a good thing, especially when it comes to recruiting. And Virginia's kind of in a tough spot right now because they go from the 17 class where they can kind of go out and find anybody they want, and then in 15 they got to have a whole five. Um, yeah. And then the next year they got to go figure out, you know, all right, now we got a smaller number. Um, redshirting these two dudes would actually bring some some balance and and give them a little bit. Uh, you know, make it the make the task easier, and I think also if you're thinking about the program as it grows and as it matures and and as it, you know as they Im- improve, like I like the idea of them having three scholarships every season versus only having one at times because you know what now not only do you, you're able to have the functionality to kind of get into some marathon recruitments, but you're going to be able to go after better better ranked players, higher ranked players, highly recruited players um, versus if you only have one spot, you know, I mean you could do a lot with it. But you're you're kind of limited because you don't have as many needs. But then when you have five spots, you're like, all right, well, I feel like I got to go out and get everything. Um, well, think of the pressure on the kid in the one class. I mean, I know the Anthony kid. I wouldn't. I mean, he's kind of a project to me, looking at his film. But I mean, there's a lot of pressure because he's the only kid in that class. So, you know, but he fits. You know, the more I see the freshman this year and go back and watch his video, I'm like, I see why Tony offered that kid. Right. His skill set again. What Tony's done, and I saw that piece on the board today about coaches who find underrated talent tony knows what he wants he fits kids to his system and even though i hate big class little class it kind of works out because he puts different skill sets in each class and the the pieces just kind of work and that's one of the things about moving if you move jay huff and ty jerome into marco anthony's class think about the skill sets you got there you got a long wing defender who's physical who can play you give you some defense and and also can 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 kind of score a little bit off the bounce you got a field point guard, and you got a big, you got a, you got a six eleven kid who can shoot. You can do a whole lot with that nucleus if if you go into two thousand eighteen, kind of with the priorities that they have, which is to get a 
um, to get you know another point guard type to get uh, maybe even a combo guard if you wanted to go that route if you were going to redshirt tie. Um, then you also want to get a bouncy big, and maybe you wanted to go out and, and, and find another kind of athletic wing defender like a Brandon Slater kind of guy. Like, you took those three dudes, at, paired them with th- the three guys that I just described, and now, I mean, you, you're seriously cooking with peanut oil now. You can really do something with that. Um, and so I kind of feel like in a lot of ways the balance of the classes should be a goal. It can't be, obviously, the, the like top priority. I mean, you're not going to go in there and be like, all right, well, we need to figure this out because this is just ridiculous. Because let's be honest – if you have success in college basketball these days, you're going to lose players either because you've been good enough and guys are going pro or because you're good enough and you got so many good players that somebody's frustrated and they're transferring. Like that's just reality of the game right now. Right? So spots are going to open up. Um, and so we can look at it like, okay, this class has this many spots and this class has that many spots, but realistically chaos will happen. It's just a question of when. Um, and so I kind of, I can see both sides of it. I, I, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more though about, the team as is and and I kind of want to focus on Austin Nichols because I feel like it's funny for a kid who is primed to be Virginia's like best player um, for all intents and purposes um I mean we I feel like we don't spend a lot of time talking about it man it's funny because like you know folks are so enamored with like the new recruits and folks obviously are, are focused on the guys they know but Austin's in that weird spot in the middle where like he's a guy you don't know but he's also gonna be kind of a big deal I brought up the point on the board. Uh, you forget that kid averaged, what, 13 yes. and 10? And not just that, but, like, the blocks. The blocks per well, game were just nuts. Let's be honest. I didn't think, you know, I know the guy got the job at Georgia Tech. I didn't think he was very well coached. No, I didn't either. I mean, I, I know some Memphis <laughs> didn't people. And, and, and a lot of the Memphis alums and just they're like, you know what, they're winning games because of talent he can't coach. So right. think of who's coaching him now. Right. And he had a year in the system. And you don't – I mean, it's funny because – you talked about this earlier about not getting enamored with the shiny new toy. Mama D, you said this. The staff is going to ease that kid in. And I saw that there's there's bright spots. You know, he definitely can defend Akil and Darion like, but offensively, the kid's got a way to go. So well, yeah, that's the things. thing about him is that like he he has these moments, like he has these peaks, man, where you're just like, whoa. And then he has these valleys where you're like, okay, his biggest problem will be consistency. It'll be figuring out how to to make those those uh, those those lows a little bit higher, um, and and to do so on a consistent basis. I think that's the thing that Akil that that it's every. I mean, even if we all understand that like he's vastly underrated in in Virginia annals or whatever, like Akil night to night to night. Maybe he didn't give you offensively what a lot of fans wanted him to, but you know what he gave you? He gave you complete stability defensively. That kid could do anything, and he did it consistently well. Like you never had a doubt, like when if he was involved in something that he wasn't going to perf- perform and execute to the to the utmost. And like if you think about how often he was in tight spots and had to come through, like if that's the goal that you need this kid to reach, he he obviously does have a ways to go. I think his offensive game is actually a little bit better than maybe what he kind of showed on the Spain trip. Um, uh-huh. If his range is kind of continuing out to to what it looks like. It can be. Um, he, he's an he's an especially di- uh, dangerous player because he is a guy who could who could who could who could give you a fake, you know, sweep the ball from one side to the other and then and and drive on you. Like he he does have a little bit of that in him. Now I saw somebody like a couple months ago talking about he could be a three and I'm like whoa, <laughs> no no he's not, <laughs> he's not a small four guys. Like he's really athletic and he's super bouncy. Uh, and he does have some ball skills. Don't get me wrong, but he's not like he ain't running around tra- chasing Joe Harris. You know, like, well, somebody brought that up about Huff, and I'm like, we got to slow. I mean, Huff Huff's a four. He, he's not a three. You know, now could he guard the three from occasion? Maybe. I mean, if he got yeah, if he got if he got caught on a switch, if he got caught on a switch, and he's out there on the on, on the angle, you know, on the elbow, and 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 he and he had to, and he had to stay in it. He could stay in it. He could give you a couple seconds, right? I mean, but look, Kevin Love gave you three, four seconds at the end of the the NBA Finals against Steph Curry. Would you want him to do that all the time? No, no, absolutely <laughs> no. Not. You would never want that. But I think the thing that Mommy brings is that true rim protector. And when you pair him at any, if at any point he and Austin are on the floor together, like I don't know, I don't know how you get a shot that's not altered. Because the pack line is, is going to keep those guys home. If nothing else, Mommy's going to be able to cover the space. And actually, one of the things that did stand out to me, I, I keep poo-pooing the Spain trip. I don't mean to poo-poo the Spain trip. I just mean to say, like, you know, it's not, it's not like you watched them to obliterate some, you know, random uh, squad from, of, like, dudes uh, in some random part of Spain. Like, that doesn't mean they're going to beat the crap out of Clemson. But what it does mean, at least to me, is I watched Austin Nichols move, and I remember watching him in the NCAA tournament that year Virginia beat them. 
dude, he is he has made some serious strides. Like he is a much better, like more yeah, fluid. Yeah, I didn't think honestly as a freshman. I thought, I mean, I know he scored the most points, but I didn't think you know he he was okay. He was the only but, guy on that team that I thought was any good. Honestly, I remember watching that game, going like, man, these point guards are really fast, but they're not. They're kind of trash. But this exactly. kid, this this Nichols kid, man, he really was a five star. It's a shame Virginia missed on him. But man, you watch him now, and you can seriously see development. I mean, not only physically is he is he a different animal, but man, his ability to kind of to kind of I think that's one of the things that Toby and, and, and AG even struggle with which was like AG is always inviting contact Nichols does yep. this thing where he can like I don't want to say play through it because I think that was one of the problems that AG had is that like a lot of times he was absorbing contact not getting calls essentially because he was playing through it but Austin does this amazing job of like being able to play around it without losing like without losing his central uh, like without losing his due north, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he's able to make his move, get around you, get to the rim, to get to the cup, but not do it in a way that makes it like awful. Like you know, he's not off. He's he's not. He, you you haven't really altered him that much. Um, his his length is is obviously important, but also too, I just think his his fluidity. Um, you know, he did not strike me when he was a freshman as a guy who could be this right now. And so I'm I'm really interested to see. Uh, you give him another couple months. Especially you know, now Jared, that he's back in Jared's playing shape. the same. It's like when I saw Jared with the little baby hook, he invite, he's not inviting contact either. And I think that's where Austin, Salt, and Jared, it's going to be hard to guard those guys because they're going to be physical. Yeah, they are. You know, and, and you're, and you're going to have to take it. Yeah, AG was strong, but he wasn't physical all the time. Toby wasn't physical all the time. These three are physical. I love AG to death, but AG had those games, especially defensively, where he was just doing some Olay stuff. It was like he, it, and I understand too. Like when you're a guy who who gets pegged, you know, for fouling people, but then you don't get calls. I understand too; it can get in your head a little bit, and so you're trying to do, you're trying to be a little too cute with it. But like I feel like Nichols is just going to do all the dirty stuff around the rim that that this team just needs. You know what I'm saying? Like they're going to be. If you think back, just think back to last season, how many bunnies this team missed. Just think of how many, any, many like looks at the rim, just kind of rimmed out a little bit, you know, whether yep. it was a big or or, or not. Nichols is not going to miss those. No. And I think uh, if you're if you're if you're hoping for Virginia to be its best right out of the gate, you're hoping that that Devin Hall doesn't miss them or that Mario Sheck. I mean, I'm not sure how the starting uh, group lines up. I'm not sure how the minutes all stack up, but I do think that offensively, this team is going to be much better at finishing around the rim. Um, than than teams in the past, and I think that in of itself is going to be a huge a huge boost to what I think is going to be a team that kind of struggles early on defensively. They have a lot of good pieces, and clearly, when you have a lot of talent, you can do a lot with it. Um, you know, if you're going to run a race, you want to have a fast car. But at the end of the day, if the thing doesn't run right, it doesn't matter. Um, and so I think what Virginia's got to do is it's going to be you know you're going to hear Tony talk about tightening it up. You're going to hear him talk about tightening it up so much this preseason. Like, every time we get a chance to talk to him, which, by the way, if you're listening to this in a couple hours, Tony's going to have a, a teleconference to talk about the Spain trip. But I'm, and I bet you at some point he drops that, tighten it up. you got to tighten it up. Um, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Like, this group can be very good defensively, especially with some of the, the new pieces. I mean, I, we, we, it's funny. We mentioned how great we thought Dre was going to be, and then we just kind of got away from it. I do want to kind of go come back to this, and it, and it – and, and, and the idea that you could have a six eight kid with his bounce and his and his ball skills and pair him with a kid like Nichols and or Mamadi at the same time, then just just let your brain wrap around that. And that, and if and if you know, folks want to get excited about the shiny toy when it comes to him and that kind of scenario, hey, have at it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna talk you down off that one. Like you you feel free to just dream because that right there is a nucleus that can do some serious serious damage because. Again, pack line principles. Those guys are. I mean, maybe Dre will be a little bit, but the bigs are not going to be that far away from the ba- from the basket. And so, everything that you get, anything that you try to get through the lane, like Virginia is going to be is going to beat the is going to beat some people to sleep. Essentially, because the, if you don't make shots against this team, you're not going to score. Like you're going to have to make you're going to have to hit the three ball consistently. I think middle of middle of the season on, you're just not going to get anything easy. You're just not. And these guys, I think are primed to have a huge season, and I realize they haven't played a minute of basketball, and I don't even care. Like, well, and that's why I think Salt's important, too. He's five fouls, and he's physical. He's a physical five. So if we want to – you know, Tony's never going to head hunt and hurt someone. But if we need to get a little physical with another team, that's Jack Salt. And that, that's where I think he's valuable. He's five hard fouls. And, and, and he gives you max effort. 
You know what? He, yep. yeah, that's the thing is that Tony brought the kid in for a reason. And I think that's one of the reasons is you know, he's going to set good screens. He's going to he's going to attack the glass. He's actually a little bit more fluid than a lot of people I think give him credit for. But the other thing is, like you said, he's a physical player. He will get in there. He will he will he will take the contact. He'll give the contact. Uh, I think now that he's had another year in the system, he should be expected to to be able to stay on the floor a little longer than he has been. I mean, it seems like na- it seems like last season at times it was like you know he, he picked up a foul within like thirty seconds of being out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. Tony's not going to be like John Chaney and sending the goons. Um, but he, I, but you might get in a game where you're playing against a team that has a really a really stout big as well as a solid four man, and you do need that that heft in the middle. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think Reuter really plays a, a nice role because, like I said, he's got he's got really good ball skills. Um, he's a he's a guy who does have a uh, a good feel for the game. I think he's somebody who can now that he's in a much better sh- in much better shape physically, um, he can bring you a lot. Uh, what do you think the team's weaknesses is? Or weaknesses is wow, weaknesses are going into into the season. Now that we've seen the Spain trip and we kind of feel like we have a little bit better idea who they might be identity wise. Um, what what kind of weaknesses do you see? You know what? I, honestly, I don't see. I mean, other than the D, I mean, every team's going to struggle, but I can't find one. I mean, that's that's bad to say because even last year's team, I could pinpoint. Okay, this is going to be a problem. This is going to be a problem. Honestly, our biggest weakness might be controlling ego, and and that might sound very vague to a lot of people, but you've got 13 guys that can play. You've got guys, you know, who expect to play. How Tony deals with that might be the biggest. That might be the biggest challenge this season, honestly, is how we devy up minutes to keep everybody happy. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I think one of the things I, I look at in terms of weaknesses is, listen, you have Malcolm Brogdon to come in and you know, throw him the cape, you know, jump out of the phone booth and, and save the day, right? It's not easy to replace a legend, and that kid's n- number is going to hang from the rafters, okay? Yeah, yeah. So as, mu- as much talent as they have and as much, as much as you know, a lot of us who cover the team, we think, you know what, they're not rebuilding, they're reloading – Listen, you don't replace that guy and not and not hit some, some speed bumps, not hit some hiccups. And so I kind of feel like, yeah, London Perantes is primed to be the alpha, but he's also never been an alpha. You know, he's, he's clearly been a, a guy who was a leader, um, but he, he's always had somebody else to defer to, whether it was Justin or Malcolm, you know, even AG to some extent. Yeah. Um, he's going to have to be uh, a lot more to this team than he has been to any other team. And he's going to draw more attention where he would have been. You're exactly right. He's going to now that now that you're going to be able, teams are going to be able to d you up differently. Like yes, you have a lot of new time, new, new new options. We talked about Dre. We barely talked about Kyle Guy, which is kind of incre- incredible because he's the first McDonald's All American that Tony's actually uh, signed at UVA. Um, but yes, you're going to have lots of new weapons, and that's great. But like teams are going to defend you differently now because you don't have Malcolm over there to take all the attention away. You know, point guards are, are you know, guards are going to come after you differently because they know you're the head of the snake, you know, and if they cut you off, the whole thing withers. So, like, London is going to have to bring it to a level he hasn't. And I'm not – look, I don't point that out to, to imply that I don't think he can, but I do think that that's a potential weakness, which is you don't – you can't lose a Malcolm Brogdon and, and expect that, oh, okay, well, you know, everything's going to be fine. Um, I, I think that if you think back to, you know, when they were tried to replace Joe Harris and, and Akil Mitchell um, – you you have those growing pains, and you're going to have those growing pains with some younger guys, as well as some other guys who are not going to be playing bigger roles. And so well, that's you, just what I was about to say. If if now that you bring that up, if you have a weakness, uh, does Hall, Shayok, and Thompson do they take the next leap, or do they? And if those if those guys take the next leap, we'll be fine. If they don't, we could be in trouble. I mean, those guys are going to have to produce. Those yeah, they do. They're going to have to execute. I, I, you know, I think it's funny. I, I feel like the board has a very different f- idea of who Devin Hall is than I do. Like, I watch Devin play, and I'm not saying he's perfect, but, like, there's this idea that he played poorly at times. Um, yeah. And, I mean, like, he'd have one turnover, and guys are bashing him, like, as if he had ten. Um, yep. But, I mean, I think part of who he is as a player is kind of he has to pick up slack, and, like, that's kind of going to be his job this year, which is – I think he's going to be asked to do a lot of things that Malcolm did. He's the one who has the most Malcolm-like body. You know, if yeah. you think about it from a, you know, from a, you know, a, just a physical standpoint, um, he's not Malcolm, but he's going to have to be, uh, in some ways, what he's going to have to give this team what Malcolm gave. Now, the thing about Shayok is, you know, I think the comparisons with Luol Deng are not too far off. He has that ability to kind of to turn his hips and move toward the basket and get through space in 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 ways that are just kind of weird. 
Like he he can he can come at the rim in different angles and and he doesn't necessarily always have to be collected. He can just continue to move forward, which is an uh, which you know if you watch a lot of AAU games, you can you can tell the difference between when that guy, when a guy has that and when they don't. Um, and I, I I haven't watched a ton of him in my in my uh, career, but I've definitely seen enough. Um, and then Thompson is kind of an a, a, I don't want to say it's an, an a weakness, but I do think that it's an unknown. Maybe he's a question mark. Because if he's not the point guard, but he is playing, how well can he be off the ball? Um, I, I think there were times last year where he did that well. I think there were times last year when he struggled with that. Um, he's certainly going to be able to create more opportunities offensively because he's going to get steals. And he's, he does have an innate ability to just he's, – he's got, he's got a, a hankering for thievery. Like, he's a guy who, who, will, who will get you some extra possessions. And he's a he relatively good finisher. I mean, usually going down the court, he, he's, he's money. I think he and Shayok both had moments last season where clearly they, they were better at times and, and not. And so the consistency is going to be something they're going to have to step up. You're right. I think all three of those guys are going to play very important roles. I, I do want um, to mention Kyle Guy because, like I said, he's the first five-star – excuse me, the first uh, McDonald's All-American that Tony's uh, signed at UVA. Uh, what are your expectations for Kyle? How do you see him fitting in? Um, and I don't necessarily mean just in terms of like, do you think he starts? But what what do you, what do you want to see out of him? And I know he's a guy you've seen uh, yep. live several times. So what do you what do you think? What are you what are you looking for from him this season? He's just gonna he's just gonna give us. I mean, he, like I said, he's Grayson Allen without all the other stuff. But he just gives us a little bit. London's quiet. Kyle's not. Kyle plays, and he's going to piss other teams he off. He really is. Virginia finally has one of those dudes that's going <laughs> to yeah. piss the whole uh, conference off, and you're going to be so glad he plays for your team. <laughs> he just, he kind of like, I mean, he kind of re- reminds me of a streetball kid, just the way he comes out and he just plays with a certain swag. And I just think for him, he came in a perfect time because London's still in the roster. Had he yeah, come in and right. London wasn't the roster. I would I would think he would struggle a bit because he's so flamboyant, but I think because London's on the roster, he can just be him. So I expect him third or fourth leading scorer on the team, yeah. to be honest. And that's another reason. I know guys on the board like Tyne is our future point guard. Kyle's another guy in a bind that could play the point or bring the ball up Absolutely. too. So you've yeah. got four guys that can bring the ball up. So for me, I just think some guys on the board they're kinda of like, Well, he's only six one, he doesn't look like he has moves. He plays taller than he is, and he shoots the ball well. And so I, my expect for I'd be very disappointed if he doesn't play well, just because I've seen him live and he just he has it, mm-hmm. you know. And DeAndre does too. I just didn't notice that until you know he got into practice and things of that nature. But I, you know, he he should be in the running for ACC freshman of the year. I mean, one of the Duke guys would probably get it yeah. because they'll play more minutes, but he'll have that type of impact. The thing I, I think about with Kyle, and, and I mentioned Iverson earlier, you can you can hate on on Bubba Chuck all you want, um, you know he, what he was for the game, and what we, you can keep all that. The thing that you cannot deny about that dude is he played hard, mm-hmm. like he the heart that kid that dude had. I mean, just like six foot nothing, just go up against the trees, take contact left and right. I think that's the thing that Kyle brings. Like you mentioned, swagger, and he is flamboyant. Like he's. I want I want people to understand like when we say that we're not saying like it's a in your face kind of thing. It's just like Kyle Kyle has an ability to not just make himself make like not only make plays but he makes everybody around him better. He will throw the no look passes. He will do like sometimes the the no look sometimes the that that kind of thing is actually the right basketball play. And yes. so a lot of times you're going to see that kid do it. But the thing is is that he plays much bigger than he is both in terms of yeah. his, his height and in terms of his weight. Like he's not afraid to, to drive the lane. He's not afraid to to take contact. He will bounce off the floor and get right back up. Um, he he's got a little bit of that Iverson in him. But I think the thing that that really I, I, that I really expect from him this season is how many times have has Virginia done you know been in a spot offensively where you, you just thought you know what they just had one shooter, just one guy who you knew three times out of out of out of out of six, three times out of five was going to make the shot. Like that's who, I think who Kyle guy is going to be. And um, he's not going to be afraid to take the and, shot. And exactly right. That's exactly where it comes from. That that flamboyant side, that piece of like that kid just is never afraid of a challenge. He's a, it's funny. It's like he's he's at like he's at all times both equally humble and yet completely confident in himself. Which is it's actually a, a staggering kind of balance to take because think about how many athletes you've watched over the years who have been both incredibly humble but absolutely 
just confident that the, the play that they will make will make the they will make the play and they will win the game. Like the only person I can think of, honestly, right now is Malcolm Brogdon in terms of yep. who I've covered. Malcolm had that, which was like he was a humble kid. He didn't ex- he expected everybody to do their job, but he certainly didn't expect accolades or anything like that. But he also had this just un just undeniable like unequivocal confidence in himself that he would do the job and that if you trusted him to do it, he would do it. And I think that's who Kyle is going to be. And you're, you're right about, about London being on this team. I think it's perfect for him because London has such a quiet kind of confidence in the way he leads. Uh, I think it's going to be a great example for Kyle, Kyle as he's kind of coming along, but man, it won't be long before this is, this is that kid's team. You know, he yep. might not be the point guard, um, but personality-wise, that's just—it's just like when Justin was was you know was was on the roster. Like it's impossible to have that kind of yeah. infectious personality and not have the team kind of you know rally around it. Um, he's gonna be a fan favorite. Quickly. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, he just looks like he's having fun. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like exactly. It's not even college basketball to him. He's just playing on the playground with his buddies, yeah. and it's fun. Well, we've uh, we got what end of October. When, when yeah. I guess practice starts sometime in like so we we got a we got a little bit of time before we get back to basketball but it's it's good to uh, coming off the Spain trip like I said I think just the bonding aspect of that whole deal just the fact of getting these new guys in involved and who everybody is and getting everybody together and I mean props to to Tony for taking just about everybody who was associated with Virginia basketball <laughs> I mean dude coaches you you're talking about support staff I mean dude everybody went on this trip the walk-ons went everybody went um, I think that's a great experience, and certainly it's going to be something that pays dividends for them down the road. Uh, Grafton, man, really appreciate you being back on the show. We will definitely have you back on as we, we get closer to, to basketball season. We'll, we'll, we'll let you uh, get, get into the flow of school now. That uh, Have you guys started back? What's the? Yeah, we started, we've been in school for three weeks now. So. You, dude, on the, on the board, you're talking about you were bored like two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and school started on the 16th. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm no, this is, that's why I said when you asked me, to do the show Tuesday, Wednesday night. This is my only free night. No, we'll, well, we'll keep... Wednesday and Sunday nights are my only free nights. <laughs> I'll so. keep that in mind as we go forward. But it's good to <laughs> it's good that uh, I mean I'm, I'm sure you'll be still chiming in on the football side of things uh, as Bronco and the boys get started on September 3rd. But again, thanks for being on the show. I want to thank everybody else out there for for giving us a listen as always. Uh, for my man Grafton 19, a, a fan favorite on the board. Appreciate you being on the show. I am Brad Franklin, publisher CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>